0: Everybody, happy early Thanksgiving, and welcome to this special Wednesday edition. There's the background <laughs> of Big Blue Avenue.
1: Tom, blacked you- out you- for a was second.
0: Was that an accident? Uh it was an accident, but I played it off as it as it wasn't. So because that's how it was content creators' role. But anyway, folks. My name is Tom Scavetta, joined alongside my co-host Hank Indictor. No Sam Cardona tonight, but she got us our Player of the Week graphic, which we're excited to reveal, and she did it from her car um, in the passenger seat. I don't know how she works from her car, but she's awesome. But Hank, how are you doing tonight? Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Um, Pleasure to talk with you. Well, to answer your question about the car, that's the power of having the app on your iPhone. In fact, I can't tell you how many times, like, I've been like in a, the break room at work and sometimes I'll have to make a little changes to my graphics for like my show. So I totally get where Sam's coming from, but in any event I'm doing pretty well. I'm really excited to talk with you on this uh, day before Thanksgiving. Always thankful to have been a part of the uh, and Preview Network and also thankful that you and I get together every week and discuss our New York football giants and Obviously, I am thankful to be a fan of the New York football giants and bleed blue in more ways than than one, of course, because also there's a certain hockey team that is the same color scheme that, you know, grants my gears on a nightly basis. And I'm staying up late to watch them tonight. But anyways, great to talk to you, Tom. And uh, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. And I hope you are all too, folks.
0: Uh, Make sure to go check us out. By the way, this comment from Noah is absolutely hysterical. Noah, I mean. You pull comments out of your ass sometimes, and just reading that makes my night. So really appreciate you. Um, seamless start to the show there. Uh, folks, make sure to go check us out on all of our social media platforms, and this episode is presented by our sponsor, BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below at Join125. You get a 125% sign-up bonus when you bet on the go, anywhere, anytime. That is BetUS, America's number one favorite sports book where the game is begins make sure to go check those guys out they're a lot of fun um so briefly we're not going to spend a lot of time on this game because we have a game in less than 24 hours folks and also uh as always not that we like likes on our show but it helps with the algorithm facebook will share our show more if um or engage our show more if you leave a like so we'd really appreciate that a few comments here oh my uh lovely girlfriend deanna karen saying hi friends with the blue heart yes Good color choice, Deanna. Thank you very much for that comment. Uh, Chris, that's what I'm here for, old boy. Yeah, I'm going to call you Chris (laughs) if you're going to comment like that. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, Christopher, Noah Dibler. A good friend across the pond, David Yates, saying hello. Evening, guys. How about them Giants? You know what? If you told me 7-3 and before the start of the season through 10 games, I'd sign up for it, Hank. I don't know about you, Uh, unfortunately, though. That loss by Detroit, 31-18, does not sit well with me. We mentioned it in our game recap this week. Worst performance of the
1: season. I'll tell you what, though. Like, It's nice to have a meaningful game around Thanksgiving, whereas last year we weren't even getting meaningful games past Columbus Day.
0: Right, and that's a great point. Um, let's get to our Week 11 key takeaways from that Detroit game. I want to get this out of the way. It's very unfortunate. Wondell Robinson tore his ACL. He's done. For the season, real shame for a rookie to go down like that. Lost Shepard to the same injury, traded away Kadarius Toney. Um, really, really sucks to lose Wandale. The Giants lost six players to injury on Sunday. And let's reveal them because it's a laundry list, folks. Badori Jackson with a knee injury, sprained his MCL. He'll be out for the next four to six weeks. Jason Pinnock, jaw injury. He's questionable for tomorrow's game. Fabian Moreau, rib injury. He is out for tomorrow against Dallas. So there goes our top two corners. Um, John Feliciano with a neck injury. He is out for tomorrow against Dallas. Nick Gates will be starting at center for Big Blue on Thanksgiving. Uh, Tyre Phillips with a neck injury. He's questionable. Wandale, who we just mentioned. Those were the six injured in the, in the game. And, Hank, Brian Dable did coach his worst game of the season. I still think he should be a coach of the year candidate. But, man. The Giants weren't just playing against the Detroit Lions on Sunday.
1: They were playing against that evil oh, monster You want to elaborate on that? They were playing against that evil monster known as the MetLife Stadium turf that has cl- that has claimed a casualty of not just many a giant but many an NFL player. Yeah.
0: I, it sucks. It it really 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 sucks um you know, I I know the turf is being replaced. They're putting in, like, artificial grass or something. Not natural grass, but artificial grass next season. I heard something like that. Um, Johnny Montalbano, our good friend from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, saying hello. Hey, Tom and Hank, have a safe, happy, and healthy Thanksgiving.
1: And to you, too, Sam. And a big blue Thanksgiving at that. Hey, Johnny, long time no see. I was just uh, doing uh, picks with him and the guys at Empty the Bench a couple hours ago. So in other words, this is a traditional doubleheader for yours truly here podcasting wise. Speaking
0: of Empty the Bench, make sure to go check out uh, Johnny Montalbano and Hank and Dichter on Game On on Empty the Bench podcast network i mean hey the giants will literally be emptying their bench tomorrow no pun intended at all um yeah i'm lying to your face folks but uh, (laughs) (laughs) let's get hank what, what was your key takeaway from this game
1: i think my key takeaway was this was by far brian dable's worst coaching performance of the year and You know, look, I know you mentioned it briefly, but I'm going to elaborate on your point. There were a few things that really bothered me about his coaching yesterday, or last Sunday, rather. Number one, and this is secondary compared to what I'm about to say for number two, I told you that I might have gone for two after that first touchdown in the first quarter to make it a 6-3 lead. I think not going for two the second time was probably worse because by that point, it made the game twenty four to twelve, and I think obviously twenty four fourteen would have been a hell of a bigger difference than twenty four thirteen had Graham Gano kicked that field goal, and not to mention you already knew by that point that he was having problems with the wind, so that decision just did not make sense. However, what was worse was having a Dory Jackson out there to return punts because. Terrible. It doesn't matter that Richie James was having fumbling problems or like, especially if we're talking about the Seattle Seahawks game, Richie James was the guy that you pretty much signed up to do that job. Even if you'd fumbled it, like I can at least understand bringing him back. And not to mention taking Richie James out of that role. What does it tell you about his confidence level? Yeah. However, getting to Jackson this is a guy who's one of your star cornerbacks and one of your best members of your secondary to put him in a situation like that, a dangerous situation like that, I would say is borderline negligent on his heart. But with that having been said, if I'm going to praise Brian Dable for a lot of his coaching decisions, and you and I have had every reason to be praising too, Mm -hmm. then it's only fair to be criticizing him when the situation calls for it the most. And look, At the end of the day, you're not going to have every coach bat 1,000. So it's what it is, but hopefully he can move on. And, you know, I still think the Giants will be fine in the long run because, like I said before, the magic number for the Giants to me to get into the playoffs was about nine or ten wins. If the Giants, God forbid, have a really bad collapse, two wins still might be enough to get you in there.
0: This is my thing about that call having a Dory Jackson return punts. Love Brian Dable, he's the be- mm-hmm. he's the best coach they've had since Tom Coughlin.
1: And that's not saying much.
0: Joe Judge would have never done that. Joe Judge would have never had a Dory Jackson back there returning punts. Never. Take with that what you will. Moving on to Scotty's comment. It is voted the worst playing field in the NFL. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, Giants and Jets lead the league in uh, they're they're up there. Top five in injuries over the past decade. Noah Dibler, key takeaway. Dan Campbell boat raced Brian Dable in the coaching battle and took the Giants kneecaps. (laughs) Now, I like this comment and I don't like this comment. Um, Dan Campbell's one of us. I'm happy for Dan Campbell, obviously not at our expense. But I want to see him do well. I want to see him remain the Lions head coach for a very long time. And he's deserving of this position. I mean, the Lions have one of the worst defenses in football. But on, on Sunday, man, did they look good. Really, really good. Um, and what what really sucks, Hank, is that Daniel Jones, look, he's allowed to have a bad game. It seems like every time. Oh, first interception since week three. All the Daniel Jones haters immediately. The chatter started up again immediately. What does that tell
1: you? They want them to fail that tells you that and i've I've said this before there's a small fraction of this giant fan base that is absolutely toxic because it wasn't just with Daniel Jones. We saw it way back when, <laughs> when I was the quarterback. and it ne- it just I never could understand it. It never made sense and you know if you, if you really. Truly root for Big Blue. You should want all your players to be succeeding, I even agree. if you have certain problems with them. That's how it should be. But you know, some people just want to be right, and that's that's an ego problem. It is an ego problem. Um,
0: schedule doesn't get better from here, though. Could this be the beginning of the end
1: for the twenty twenty two New York Giants? I mean, look. I'm not going to say that it's out of the realm of possibility because Lord knows we can never catch a break with injuries. And I'm not just Mm -hmm. talking about this here. Even in the really good years that I grew up watching the Giants, like they still dealt with a lot of injuries on a yearly basis. And I think we pretty much know why, but we've already kind of nailed on that point. With that having been said, do I think it's the end of the uh, beginning of the end? I think the only answer, and I feel like I'm giving you a cop-out with that answer, is time will tell. I think if they win either this week or next week against Washington, and remember, Washington's a team that the Giants have historically been really good against, I think maybe we might look at this stretch as like a bump in the road. Right. But with that having said, we don't know because we haven't really gotten there. So really the only answer for me to tell you is time will tell.
0: So let's move on to our New York Giants player of the week. And no hesitation with this. Wondell Robinson earns our New York Giants player of the week. Graphic created by the lovely Sam Cardona. Had nine catches for 100 yards on 13 targets. First 100-yard game by any Giants receiver this season. That's hard to believe. Damn. Uh, unfortunately for him though he tore his acl and will miss the remainder of the season and likely won't be ready for the start of 2023 in his rookie campaign his final stat line 23 catches on 31 targets for 227 yards and one touchdown 72 pff grade to go with it
1: hank your thoughts on wandale i think this was definitely a really good choice for a player of the week and Honestly, given the way their performance was, it was really slim pickings, but I think you and I pretty and Sam all pretty much agreed that the only player whose performance really stood out was Wandale. It's just a damn shame that his player of the game performance had to come in the one that prematurely ended his season, and we really hope that he has a good recovery from that ACL because you never know how players are going to bounce back from that type of injury. Right. And it is unfortunate that Wandale went down like
0: this. But, again, it's football. It happens. Next man up. And speaking of next man up, we'll get to our Week 12 transactions. So, Aziz Ojalari eligible to come off IR but will not be activated this week, unfortunately. Daniel Bellinger out for the Cowboys game. Adoree Jackson out four to six weeks, as we mentioned. Richie James will likely resume his punt returning duties. Giants also signed tight end Nick Vanette to the practice squad, and they promote Lawrence Cager to their 53 man roster. Nick Vanette, 6'6, 261 pounds. He's 29 years old, folks. He's been a journeyman in the NFL. 2016 third round pick by the Seattle Seahawks out of Ohio State. Vanette spent his first four seasons out west in Seattle one with the Pittsburgh Steelers, one with the Broncos, and the last two with the New Orleans Saints. He was placed by the Saints on IR back in September of this season. He was activated a week or so ago, and now the Giants sign him. Career stats for Nick Vinette, 86 catches, 832 yards, and 6 TDs. So this is not good news for Bellinger might not be as close to returning as we think, Hank. My hope is that he'll be ready for week 13 after 10-day rest off of this Thanksgiving game.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely, hope, wish, definitely the target to be thinking about now at this point because – I'm gonna pro we're probably gonna be talking about that next week, but I really think the um the Washington game will probably be just as big, if not bigger, than this week against Dallas. But of course, we gotta get to that week first. And obviously, of course, we should be talking about going up against the hated Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day.
0: Absolutely. And other transactions before we get there, the Giants also promoted Devery Hamilton to their active 53-man roster. That's an extra offensive lineman, along with D.B. Trenton Thompson. Terrell Burgess and Corey Cunningham were elevated from the practice squad. Fan-favorite linebacker from this year's preseason, Austin Calitro, was waived along with Quincy Roche. So the Giants have been making moves. Let's get to the comments before we get to our Cowboys preview. Um, Noah says you guys can criticize the Giants. Just fine. I criticize the Falcons, and Falcons fans call me a crackhead. L-O-L. Big Meech. What's up, Meech? Appreciate you commenting on YouTube. If they don't sign Odell, it's over. We'll get to that. We will get to that. Um, Washington will be vulnerable after losing by 10 points this weekend. Hey, aren't they – they played the Texans this past weekend. Oh, they're playing the Falcons. That's right. That's why he said that. And the Georgia comment, yeah, of course. Are we surprised? But, no, not at all. Also, I want to wish a happy birthday to my good friend, James Montefusco, the brains of the operations here at Review and Preview Sports. And he asks this question. Tom, I know where you stand about OBJ, but I truly have a feeling, depending on who wins tomorrow,
1: OBJ goes with. What do you think of this comment? I mean – It makes a lot of sense because, you know, you're we're talking about two teams that are essentially tied, even though like Dallas essentially is in second because they hold the tiebreaker. But I think it'll definitely be interesting to see where that goes. And, you know, it's looking like he's going to Dallas because like all you've been hearing about is Cowboy fans or Cowboys players like trying to recruit him and all but begging him to join their team. So whether that holds any weight, we will see
0: absolutely um, I I my here, here here's my take on the Odell situation go for it they might just need to sign him they might just have to do it but there's always a but of course at the right price if he's willing to take a one-year deal, which we all know he's not willing to, then you sign him. But apparently he wants multi-years. Giants, for the love of God, do not sign Odell Beckham Jr. to a multi-year deal. You do not want to strap yourself financially. OBJ should know what he's worth right now. He's coming off an ACL injury. But even with the ACL injury, Odell is better than any, any receiver on this roster currently, and that includes Kenny Galladay. Someone tell Kyle Russo on what Tom just said. Why don't you invite Kyle Russo on to – Oh, he can't. That's right. Um, I was about to say, why don't you invite him onto the live stream right now? Let's let's hash this one out. But um, you know,
1: I would love to have him back. Like we have been missing. Oh yeah, a lot of grieving we, preview. We, we, we've
0: missed Kyle Russo for sure. But let's get to our Giants Cowboys preview. Both teams are seven and three. Play tomorrow, 4:30 p.m. on CBS. Cowboys are favored by nine and a half points. Um, before last week, I would tell you that is way too many points. Uh back in week three, Hank, the Giants played Dallas. Cowboys won 23 to 16 on Monday night football. Dallas in Jerry World. They're four and one at home this season. Giants were three and one on the road. They've been resilient. But granted, remember, two of those road wins two-point conversion against the Titans to steal one from them, and then the neutral site game in London. Um, And then the Giants are playing on Thanksgiving for the first time in five years, 2017, that abysmal night game that we had against um, Washington. So that was not good for us and Hank. Um, That week three game was really brutal for the Giants. They also lost the receiver in that game. Sterling Shepard they've lost him for the season they lost um Leonard Williams that week he didn't play
1: and the Giants gave up 23 points to Cooper Rush it was brutal yeah and you know you got false hope when Saquon Barkley had that huge touchdown run he also in addition to the 81 yards he had 45 receiving yards so 122 yard, 126 yards from scrimmage and he had a good game that day and then you know, the only mistake that Adoree Jackson made was giving up was getting burnt on that touchdown to CeeDee Lamb. So definitely was a, one of those winnable games that the Giants could have had that, you know, it might hurt looking back on it, but at the time it wasn't that bad because, you know, the Giants were 2-0, you weren't expecting them to win their first few games. And even before that game, I remember, Tom, you were on record saying that the Giants were probably going to lose to the Cowboys regardless of who starts at quarterback, which was a take that you you got right. And at the time, I also thought that that game pretty much even things out, because if you remember, like the first few games, the Giants, you know, while in the second game, you could argue that they outplayed Carolina. They also had a lot of lucky breaks go their way against the Titans this game. Not so much, but you know what credit to the giants for the most part since that game, they've been resilient and finding a lot of ways to win, but this game is going to be a major, major test for the giants. And as I said, it might not necessarily even be their biggest game coming up, but you know, we'll see how things play out.
0: Absolutely. I I definitely think it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, Daniel Jones is running for his life in that game. You know, Barkley had that 36 yard touchdown, but Uh, you know you want to see a lot from him they were giving the Giants a lot of eight plus man boxes in that game the Cowboys were I'd expect to see a similar thing Um, remember the Giants were up 13 to six at one point so you want to hope that um, the Giants can remain competitive in this game despite that laundry list of injuries which we'll get to in a little bit Um, the defense had no sacks in that game the secondary was soft and CeeDee Lamb was outstanding he had Eight catches for 87 yards and one touchdown in a game that did not feature tight end Dalton Schultz, a player who was also out in addition to Dak Prescott. If the Giants were going to get the Cowboys in one game this season, it likely would have been in week three. It's really hard for me to, I mean, you'll see my prediction later, but it's hard to forecast a win when Dallas is now at full strength. Lamb torched a Dory Jackson, and Dory Jackson's not even playing. I don't even know who our number one corner is right now. Is it Cordell Flott? Is it Nick McLeod? Is it Rodarius Williams? Wow, that's really embarrassing to say, right? Rodarius Williams, a guy, sixth-round pick from last year. All due respect to him, four tackles on the season. He's played one game.
1: He's played one game, and he might be starting tomorrow on Thanksgiving. Again, this is why, (laughs) as much as I agree with the term next man up, you can only really use that for so long, and this is one of those cases where you're like, Oh, boy, do we have to like – I think it was Bad Dog who said it on his post-game video. He's like, we got to start pulling the fans out of the stands and help the Giants. I
0: agree 100%. Um, Daniel Jones running for his life, as I mentioned, sacked five times. Demarcus Lawrence has had a lot of success against the Giants throughout his career. Um, Through 14 games against Big Blue, Demarcus Lawrence has 10 sacks. He had three sacks back in week three. And Trayvon Diggs had the game-clinching interception where David Sills fell on a slant-and-go route. That was Daniel Jones's second interception of the season, and he didn't throw an interception again until the two he threw last week. And you could argue the first one wasn't Jones's fault on Sunday. But before we get to the series history, Hank, we have a couple comments. James says, Giants win 21-17. Good show, guys. I got to go. Have a happy Thanksgiving. James, salute. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you as always. Noah Dibler, uh, Cowboys 49, Giants 27. Um, Giants are not scoring 27 points. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I, I'm going to say.
1: I'd love for that to happen, but yeah. I, I...
0: Get it out, Hank. Get all the yawning I, out now. You I know, think that's the pipe dream. You got, got to, you got to be active at the table tomorrow. Football's going to be on, you know. I, um, look. Jeez. What this team has come down to uh, at 7-3. and three. I'm shocked that I'm saying this, but it, it's just weird because the Giants haven't scored on Thanksgiving, offensively at least, in a while, Hank. And you can kind of take us through the series history here quickly.
1: Yeah, the Thanksgiving Day, at least if we're talking about the, post, the post-merger the post era, has not been too kind. The Giants actually are 7-5-3 and three on Thanksgiving, but most of those wins that they got on Thanksgiving happened before World War II, essentially during the 20s and the 30s. And as a matter of fact, the last time the Giants scored an offensive touchdown— on Thanksgiving was 1938. That was a seven-yard touchdown pass from Ed Donowski to Dale Burnett against the uh, football version of the Brooklyn Dodgers at Ebbets Field. Yes, that's a, that was a legit team. Google them if you want to know more about them. And as far as the uh, post-merger era, the Giants did not play another Thanksgiving game after that until 1982 at the Silverdome against the Detroit Lions. That was the famous game where Lawrence Taylor had that incredible 97-yard pick six, and that was actually more or less the game that introduced LT to football fans all across America. I mean, I know he had a really good rookie season the year before that, but everyone across the country pretty much saw that pick six, and not to mention he also played that game with a bad knee. He didn't even start that game, and he also forced a pressure that led to a Harry Carson pick, and the Giants were able to get a field goal out of that. But unfortunately, since that game, the Giants have not won a game on Thanksgiving and as a matter of fact, the only other touchdown they scored on Thanksgiving was a Janaris Jenkins pick six. So it's been pretty bad. They got clobbered in Dallas in 92. And then there was that infamous Denver game, which led to the collapse of 2009. And as we mentioned, the game in 2017, which really was an ugly game all all, the whole day. Um,
0: Yeah, it was the beginning of the end for the coach who shall not be named. His name is banned from the show. We do not say his name. We will say this, folks. He was the head coach in between Tom Coughlin and Pat Shermer. That's what we will say. Oh, yeah, that Um, guy. So, a couple comments here before we bring up our special guest of the evening. We have a diehard Dallas fan backstage. And we know we're about to get it from him. John Suggs, 3417 Dallas. Larry Johnson saying, what's good? Tomorrow is the day with the devil face. Shout out, Larry, big Cowboys fan. Um, also from New Jersey, like our guest that we're about to bring up. Uh Ladanian Tomlinson. No.
1: No. No. No, no, thank you. Uh, try looking at the jersey behind me, Noah. <laughs> got to run
0: but for when Brian comes in three of my favorites right here have a happy thanksgiving fellas well let's bring Brian in right now Brian Atard from the sports box we had him back on week 3 here he is folks ladies and gentlemen Brian welcome to the show how are you doing tonight
2: are you, are you sure you really want me on the show tonight are are you sure you actually want to break down this game i, I don't I, I you, you know me, guys. I am very. I am as far from a Cowboys cheerleader as there possibly is. But if you care about regular season games, I'm saying that I do, not that much anyway, because the playoffs matter, you got to feel pretty good coming out of that game last week. Not yeah. a lot went wrong. But pleasure to be on with both of you again, two of my favorite people as
1: well. Could also be a Ranger show while we're here. Maybe. Oh, uh, let me show you my undershirt. I've got my uh, Captain Truba Weebly Blue shirt underneath. They actually won a game last night. I was impressed.
0: And And uh, hopefully we can sustain that. Yeah. And we saw the trade that happened today. But, I mean, we could have a a whole show in itself about that. Um, Sticking with the focus here, because I know it is Thanksgiving Eve, and I'm sure all three of us have a lot going on tonight. Um, John Suggs says, Pat Shermer, LOL. Uh, Thank you for the comment, John. Brian, uh, where can people find you and your work on the sports box before we hook this one
2: up well as as esteemed friends of review and preview thank you again for having me on uh at sportsbox sports we're on facebook we're on twitter we have Mm -hmm. a variety of shows uh throughout the week we like to pride ourselves on being one of the earlier news breakers on social media it's been our bread and butter for the most part but uh we do sunday morning previews 11 a.m uh on uh, sunday nfl and uh, i host the new york Rangers show which i should probably do more often uh, but they're on a west coast road trip and those nights keep me up so it is what it is.
1: Awesome. Yeah. You and I will both be staying up for that.
2: I will fall asleep. I, I guarantee. <laughs> bet, bet bet the under on me getting of the third period. Bet it hard. I'm really excited to talk about this. I I I already know
0: who who you're picking. And I, I, look, yeah, we we had you back on in week three, and I'm proud to say I was also correct that week because I I did pick Dallas to win the game.
2: I think um, I convinced you of that. You told me that I kind of won you over.
0: <laughs> you did. Unfortunately, you did. I don't think I'll, you'll have to win me over tonight with my prediction. But my first question to you is this: Did you expect both teams to have a seven and three record heading into their Thanksgiving week match?
2: Uh, I would say absolutely not for two reasons. One, from a Cowboys perspective, and you know we all talk regularly, so you know you'll know this. I, I was fully ready to tank the season when Dak Prescott got hurt, you know, there was supposed to be like a six, seven, eight week injury, you know, and I'm not a huge Dak guy. I don't claim to be, but I'm a big quarterback guy. So for me, if a team starter goes down for any appreciable amount of time, I immediately just assume that they're probably going to lose more of those games than they're going to win. So I don't care about cosmetic regular season games. If you're not going to do anything. So I was, I was tank city now, largely due to, A defense which I think has exceeded all expectations on on how good it's been this year. Uh, You know, they survived it and they're in a pretty decent spot right now. From a Giants perspective, well, no, because I'm not a Daniel Jones guy. So I did not think at all that they would be where they are. I think a ton of credit, ton of credit. I said this week three. I'm going to say it again. Brian Dable's done a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal job with this team to get them to where they are. And I guess their running backs doing okay. Right. So um, no, I'm excuse me. I I am I'm surprised in both cases uh that they're at seven wins at, at this point. But I think also to be fair, I, You tell me, because I think as bullish as you guys were on the Giants coming into the year, you also would not have thought they would be 7-3 and at this point.
0: I also did not think that Daniel Jones would have five game-winning drives this season. Uh, uh,
1: Seven wins was the exact win total I had for the Giants going into the season, Brian. So that that really puts things into perspective. They're ahead of the pace, for sure.
0: Right. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. But I guess to your point... Um, the Baltimore and Green Bay games were two that I did not expect to win. Uh, the Tennessee game I did not expect to win. So you take those three away, uh, we would be what would be four and five, four and, five. Six. Four, and six. four, four and six, right? Because we're seven and three. Yeah. So.
2: Well, so, okay, so, so don't take this. I'm not, this is not a shot at the Giants by any stretch. It's not meant to be. But I think the Giants are a great example that I think that sometimes we get enamored with win-loss record as to how good teams really are. Because I think we would all agree. Would we all agree here that the Chargers are a better team than the Giants? Like, well, if you could trade rosters tomorrow, would you take the Chargers roster?
0: By what standard are we talking? Roster talent, coaching, yeah. the whole the, package? The,
2: the, the, the team. Like, the, 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 that, that 53 and that staff.
1: Well, I mean, uh, Hank, you want to take this one first? Uh, could I keep the Dable coaching staff, but yeah. then have the whole team? If, if, if we're doing that, then yes, I would. But okay. uh, otherwise, that's debatable. Like, here's
2: what I'm saying. Like, I, I would perfect per- coming into the the year. I was very high in the Chargers, for example. And the Chargers are a very good team. I don't think their record at five and five is indicative of how good they are. I
1: don't right. think
2: the Eagles are really a nine and one team. Like, I think that we look at the win loss. You know, Bill Parcell said it best, right? You are your record says you are. I don't necessarily know in this kind of a league where frankly every team stinks (laughs) that, you know, it really is as (laughs) indicative as it maybe used to be back in Bill's heyday. I'll put it that
0: way. Well, John Sugg says 49ers are better than their record.
2: And I would agree with that.
1: I am on record for being very high on the 49ers. In fact, you can go, you can go watch the episode of review and preview where I filled in for Tom and I brought in, one of my empty the bench guys and Nick Morgeson, And he and I both wholeheartedly agreed that they had a really good shot at beating Philadelphia. Should those teams meet in the playoffs. And I knew you'd appreciate me bringing that up.
2: No, I, 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 that's a, that's another great example, right? Like, is is Seattle better
1: than them? I sure don't think so. Well, not only that, they're not even in first place anymore because San Francisco is a tiebreaker. Hold on. I would have had us beating Seattle at the
0: beginning of the season. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yes. So five and five.
2: I can, um, I can go with that. I just don't think, again, I'm just not, I mean, I don't think the Vikings are any, like, oh, the Vikings. I
0: think Jones is better than. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm a big Vikings guy. I'm not sure if you knew that, but um, <laughs> I feel like most Giants fans are. Not Hank, though. Not Hank. I
1: um, mean, I don't dislike them, but I'm not, I'm neutral about them. I know. It's, oh but, my, yeah, I, I. They're,
2: they're, I have very good friends that are Vikings fans. My father-in-law is a Vikings fan. I'm just not a big, like I look at them and I say, this team has the second best record in football and I don't really understand it.
0: They built their defense upgrade, and Kevin O'Connell was Sean McVay's top assistant last year too. That's another thing we have to consider. You know, that coaching tree, the McVay coaching tree is starting to develop and the Vikings improved their offensive line, but they're another team that the Giants and the Cowboys are both going to have to compete with if either of those teams are to make the playoffs. And, sure. you know, not not to digress from the Vikings point, but Hank, let's get to your next question here because I I think it really um, digs into
1: what we want to uh, really pinpoint home tonight. So, Brian, my question to you is how has the offense changed with the return of Dak Prescott?
2: Well, he's no Cooper Rush, right? <laughs> you know? So um, it, it's it's changed because, you know, again, I'm not a huge Dak guy, but Dak is the starting quarterback on this team. I mean, you look at Rush's stats, right? Everyone's like, oh, Cooper Rush, 4-0 is a starter. Yeah, cool. 15 of 27 against Washington, 10 of 16 against the Rams, right? His actual best statistical game was 21 of 31 against the Giants. So when you look at, you know, Look at the difference in offensive numbers. The numbers just don't lie. You know, since Dak's come back, the team has scored 24, 49, 28, 40 points offensively. They will let Dak throw simply because he's their guy. You know, they don't fear passing the ball. If you think back to that Eagles game, which everybody made all, oh, the two, two best records, whatever, was also Cooper Rush. Once they went down a few scores, largely because Cooper Rush put them in horrible situations, Conventional wisdom was that they were not going to come back in that game. Like the, a Cooper Rush-led offense is not going to overcome a deficit, right? They will give Dak the ability to go air it out, passive you need to, get, try to build that comeback back. That I mean the offense was never going to do that under Cooper Rush. And it's not even necessarily, a, oh, this, look how great Dak's playing. It's just that they were never going to allow Cooper Rush to throw the ball 40 times a game even if they needed to they weren't going to let that happen. So, you know, he brings an element again. I don't I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's probably somewhere in that muddled upper upper middle, right? There's the elite guys and then there's like the the muddled middle where he probably is and you know, moves up and down those rankings as you see fit. But look, th- they can throw the ball when he's there. They were a prolific offense last year. They've been the same since he's come back. And I think that it's taken pressure off of the defense because, I mean, you think back just to the Rams game. I mean, the, the Rams game was won by the defense, period. They don't need to do that. The defense can do their thing. They don't have to be perfect because the offense can put up points to help them out. And I think that's the biggest difference is you can play a little looser because you're not as afraid that, oh, if we don't make this stop, our team cannot mount a comeback. The Cowboys can score with anyone with at least a functional starting quarterback.
0: And we saw that emulated on Sunday um, in Minnesota, by the way. Um, the Vikings had their, I think, it, what was it, their worst home loss in franchise history. Sounds about right. Forty to that. three.
1: Forty what to was three. the finals. Yeah, like yeah, I can't imagine them losing any games like that at the old uh, Metropolitan Stadium and the and the Dome. Yeah, but sticking with
0: Dak in the passing game, Brian. We all know Ceedee Lamb is the number one option. He is the um, number one dog on that offense. He. Earned us the last game with Adoree playing. Adoree's not playing tomorrow, and we're on a short week. So um, we're looking at guys guarding CeeDee Lamb that you probably never even heard of uh, tomorrow. Yeah. But after him, how important is it to have Dalton Schultz back in the passing game? Because I think Dak tends to favor him a lot over the middle of the field. And we know Schultz's previous success against the Giants in recent years and how the Giants tend to blitz a lot. With Wink Martindale's blitz frequency percentage, they blitzed Goff, I think it was like 62, 63% of his dropbacks last week. So how important is Dalton Schultz getting open in that intermediate passing game?
2: Oh, I think he's 6'5", he's 240-something pounds. I mean, he's just a big target, right? Like, Dak's not the most accurate passer in the world, right? So the bigger the target, the easier you can get the ball in his vicinity. But it's so true, and I think... What changes the offense and why he's so important is because of the trust that they have, that they built from last year into this year. You have that continuity there. You, 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 have, you know where he's kind of going to be. He's, the routes he's going to run, you know where he's going to be. Lamb is that alpha, or at least he's been drafted to be that alpha number one receiver. But most teams have number one and number two receivers. What you'll find around the NFL is there aren't really that many that have that pass-catching tight end. Which causes the matchup problems, right? Yes, you're going to put your best corner on the best receiver. That's not rocket science. But what ends up happening is you're having to bring safeties up to cover that to cover the tight end because the linebackers just can't can't stay with them. You know, the, the, the speed's not there. Schultz is a huge, huge because he is the over the middle target. Like really, their slot receiving game kind of leaves a lot to be desired. I think Lamb was was a lot of that last year with Cooper gone, which I fully supported. Again, he's the number one. Gallup has been, you know in and out of the lineup. I mean, they haven't had James Washington all year. Noah Brown had a real nice start to the year. But you can see, like, Dak just trusts Schultz. So when you haven't had that time to build that relationship with your other receivers and and the trust, that you have with your tight end, of course, that he's going to be a big part. And again, given his size and the position he plays, he, is, he can be that matchup nightmare. I mean, you think back, look, look at a team like Kansas City, right? They lost arguably a top five receiver in all of football and Tyreek Hill. The offense has not missed a beat because of how good Travis Kelsey is, because of the matchup problems that tight end produces. The teams that have those elite tight ends, it is such a difference maker. I don't necessarily know that Schultz is an elite tight end, He's absolutely top 10 in the league, and I feel comfortable saying that. Great, big target over the middle, and you have to account for him. And that's the other thing, too, because tight ends will stay into block. You don't know if he's going out for a pass or not, so you kind of have to you know, structure your defense where, hey, we need to know. If this guy's going out, somebody's on him, so somebody's accounted for him. If he doesn't go out and he stays in the block, somebody else is open. It's a domino effect of tight ends
1: definitely and we know he's going to be tough because what do Tom and I say a lot on this show the Giants have trouble covering tight ends but anyways my next question let's go to a different position on the offense and that's the running backs do you think that Tony Pollard should be the lead running back ahead of Ezekiel Elliott? and I have a feeling I kind of know where you're going to go with it because I we know your opinions on Ezekiel Elliott. no I, I, it's
2: okay yeah no it's true I I, I look I I I don't like Zeke Elliott. I'm sure he's a nice guy to hang out with, right? But I I don't like drafting a uh, running back fourth overall. I don't like his contract. I think those are the two big problems, right? But it's a very hard question to answer because here's what I fear. There are those who have concerns on if Tony Pollard can be the guy, and I think that that's fair. I think he's more talented, especially at this point in his career, than Ezekiel Elliott is. Obviously, he moves a lot better than Zeke at this point in his career, but I don't know if Pollard can be a true bell cow, right? Like, I think if he's complemented by a bigger through-the-tackles type runner, yeah, he can be that guy. And I don't even know that Zeke is that guy anymore at this point in his career, which makes his contract that much worse. But could Pollard be their RB1? Sure. But you need a bigger body guy to be that through the tackles, physical runner. Like all those years when Zeke was at his peak, he was like a closer in the fourth quarter, like where he would, they would just run and run and run and the clock would go away. I don't think Tony Pollard's built to do that. So I think Tony Pollard's a wonderful weapon. I love what, I mean, look, he, he has been, he was a leading receiver like against Minnesota. He's led the team in rushing most games this year. Now some of that's obviously Zeke's injuries, but He's not somebody – he's never going to be a Jonathan Taylor. He's never going to be a Derrick Henry. He's never going to be that guy who can be a one, period. He needs to be a 1A, 1B type guy. Like He's not going to be um, the alpha, so to speak. But does it have to be Zeke Elliott? No. It could be somebody else. A lot cheaper too. Um, it's going to be a very, very interesting offseason for, for this running game, period, because Pollard going to need a deal. And I've been of the belief that they cut Amari or they moved Amari Cooper out in full to have the cap space to be able to cut Zeke and it be. And I agree with John Suggs. I don't, I don't think Zeke is here next year. And I think that the, the Amari Cooper move was a precursor to that because it basically paid for it.
0: Right. Um, the gift that keeps on giving Ezekiel Elliott's contract.
2: Oh, um, could you imagine where this team would be with actually like if he was not on the roster and they had all that money to spend, like where they would be right now? Like that's what's infuriating. It's infuriating because the defense is fantastic. Even if you don't like the quarterback, I mean he's polarizing. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ever gonna win anything. I think he does great against bad teams and against good teams he shrivels. But if you had another sixteen million dollars to play with, maybe you keep Amari Cooper and your your passing offense is better. Maybe you are out there in the free agent market looking to help your offense because the juice has not been worth the squeeze on on the extension by any stretch. But that's right. but guys, that's what look you guys are facing it this offseason, right? When you put that high of a pick into a player and he performs, it's a sunk cost. But what are you going to do? Not sign him right. after the pick you put into him? He's he's done what you asked him to do. Mm-hmm. But the question becomes again: is 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 what that position offers? Can you get production cheaper? For the most part, and I know that Saquon's basically an MVP candidate, <laughs> honestly, if you really want to call it what it is. But again, can you get that production from somebody else cheaper? I think it's a fair question.
0: It's definitely definitely a fair question, and to your point on Pollard, six yards per carry, 701 rushing yards, eight total touchdowns on the season, six on the ground, two through the air, and he has six big runs this year, as were Zeke, just four yards per carry. He does have six touchdowns, but... As yeah. you mentioned, Pollard's a weapon. He's not just a runner, and, and that's what's really interesting about this football team. They have great, outstanding players on both sides of the ball, and I know Dallas's O-line hasn't been as great as previous years, but you still have Zach Martin uh, up front, who's a phenomenal player, in my opinion. And well,
2: You have a bit of a bias towards him.
0: True, but he, <laughs> he is the second-best guard in football behind I, No, I, I know. I know we, okay. we could agree with that, right? I agree um, with that, yes. Uh, <laughs> now, defensively, you have a lot of players that scare me. Um, I think it's four players with five or more sacks, right? I mean, we're talking about DeMarcus Lawrence, Dante Fowler, Micah Parsons, um, and then the one I missed. I know Sam Williams has three. Who? Oh, Dur- Dur- Durant's Armstrong. Armstrong, yeah, has seven. Yeah. So defensively, man, like, ah, I don't know. It's it's a little scary. I guess would you say it, is your key to the game pressuring Daniel Jones because we know, like, Jones faced the most pressures in his life last game. And I had a Cowboys fan admit to me, he thought Jones had a decent game. It's just he couldn't do anything. He
2: couldn't do anything. He, he's running for his life the entire game. Well, I, I just think that the, the, the key is it's – It's two-part, right? It's make Daniel Jones beat you and don't let Saquon do it because their passing offense leaves a lot to be desired, and it's not necessarily entirely on Daniel Jones. Again, I don't know – like you put a gun to my head. I I guess they sign him for next year or at least they – to something where he comes back, but I don't know that he's a long-term solution there. I, I really don't. Um, th- th- their, their passing games leave so much to be desired. Again, you know, you put that money into Galladay, which has not worked out, which, again, I give myself full marks for because I called it the day that it happened. That was not going to work out well. I do take credit for that. Um, Kadarius Tony was just a des- – I mean, again, a first-round pick. He should have worked out, and he didn't. It's a show. Like they the, – the problem is like they rely so much on Saquon. Like when we talk about these MVP talks, like the Giants are 7-3. and three. I mean, if he's not on the field, how many games have they won this year? I don't know. They won any. Seriously, like I, I the shoulder injury. Yeah, but the MVP is always a quarterback and I get it. Like I get it, but he's been so crucial to them. You just can't let that guy beat you. Mm-hmm. Don't let their most explosive player beat you and make them figure it out. So I think you're going to see a lot. You're going to get pass rush from the Cowboys that this is that that is what they do. They force you into mistakes. That's why, you know, Trayvon Diggs is again, he's kind of, you know, had a bit of a renaissance to his year since I tried to will his first interception in week three against the Giants. Um, Talked that into the... I did. I, I, I Again, stuff. I little, that's all I needed to do. Hey, David um, Sills did fall down. He did fall down. I, I will <laughs> say that. Not that
0: he would have been much of a challenge for, for Diggs, but he did fall down.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, he's only got three picks, so let's call it what it is. That's not the year that he had last year, but the defense as a whole was just very good. The, the I mean, a lot of people, oh, Dak and Lamb and Zeke and Pollard, this defense is for real. And my honest biggest fear for this team into the offseason is they're going to lose Dan Quinn. <laughs> Because, like, I you look at it like that, that's why if if you are bullish on the Cowboys and it's kind of crazy because again they're the fifth seed right now because of the way the playoffs are and ESPN says they're the most likely team to come out of the NFC for by their analytics from their mouth to God's ears right
0: every year though
2: yeah and I, I'm aware of that as well yes um but I mean I'd rather be the <laughs> I'd rather be the analytics favorite than not I mean it's, right. it doesn't really matter but I prefer it um. That defense is for real, and that pressure is going to come. So the thing is, for, for Jones, is going to have to make reactions quickly. And I don't know that he has the, the faith in his receivers to do that quickly.
0: And three starting offensive linemen are out. Evan Neal yeah. will not be playing. John Feliciano will not be playing. Um, Shane Lemieux and our backup, Josh Azudu at left guard. Neither of them will be playing. Hell, our third-string left guard who started the most games for this season, Ben Bredesen, won't be playing. Oh, by the way, did I tell you Tyre Phillips has a neck injury? He most likely won't be playing either.
2: Hang Micah up. Parsons is pretty good at
0: football. Yeah. Hey, I placed a bet on him uh Oh, son to lead the league in Sacks this year. Right now he's got 10. I think Preston yeah. Smith or Matt Judon might be ahead of him. So, we'll
2: so my son that's my son. Yeah. I hope he's wearing clothes right now. I think he just took oh. a bath. Oh, good. But he he almost uh, just you know mooned America. That's all right. Oh jeez.
1: <laughs> but it is what it is. I mean, look, it could be worse. America saw Janet Jackson.
2: Yes, correct.
1: <laughs> um,
2: I, I'm a. I love the fact that they have such a. I mean, you guys as as Giants fans, like, do you do you like get like flashbacks of LT when you see him? Because I I do.
0: Uh, yes.
2: And that just scared the hell out of you, right?
0: And at the same time, I think it's too early to compare him to him.
2: No, no, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not going to put him in rare light. I, I do, ag-
0: I, I do agree. He might be the closest thing we've seen to yeah. him throughout his first one and a yeah, half, two yeah. seasons in the in the NFL.
2: But, but that style of player, that, that, that guy that you have to know where he is on the field. Like there's very few people I think in the NFL on the defensive side of the ball that, you have to know where they are and you have to account for them Yep. no matter where they are. And and I think he clearly, um, you know, is in that. So I wasn't a fan of the draft pick, but I'm never usually a
1: fan of their draft picks.
2: So at least I'm consistent.
1: And look, it's, it's why your question was so good last time you were on. Like, would you have um, taken Parsons knowing what you know now, instead of like the whole trade down and look, in spite of how great is great that he is, and look, I'll give him credit where credit is due. I still stand by answer by my answer. I don't know about Tom. I think he's probably in the same area as I am. Obviously, I think the only thing I would do differently was the draft pick itself. But that's neither here nor there. He is absolutely amazing. And uh, Tom, I believe. Uh, do you have your? Uh, is it your turn for your next question, or are we up to mine? Henry, you're up. All right, let's do it. So. Obviously, I've pretty much gotten to know more about your New York Rangers traditions, and I'm pretty. I'm hoping one day I get to see Brayden uh, Braden sometime soon at the Garden with you. That would be really cool to get to meet him. But I am working on that.
2: Let's, it, might be, it might be. It might be next year because there's only which, which is funny, right? So there's there's literally one one weekend afternoon game at the right. Garden
1: all year. Yep. Cool. Appreciate it. That's uh. That's the Saturday. But uh, in, any, in any event, let me ask you about a certain uh, Cowboys tradition that sure. you have. What is it like watching them on Thanksgiving with, with your team, like during dinner with your family on a yearly basis?
2: Well, so generally speaking, Thanksgiving dinner has always fallen, whether it was by design or just you know because, uh, during the Lions game. Which, frankly, over the years, the Lions game you know tends to rival Turkey as what would put somebody to sleep. Uh, on, on thanksgiving, so it 's kind of worked out just fine um usually by about you know three thirty when the when the cowboys game's coming on like i 'm recovering from whatever food coma that i 'm in so i'm i'm coming out of it right in time for the lions to lose and, and the cowboys game to turn on so um look i mean let 's be honest like they call it, we call ourselves America's team, right and I think that part of the reason that the cowboys have such a national fan base is frankly that they 've been a successful franchise and they're on Thanksgiving every year. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. you know. I, I'm probably one of the few. It's probably going to be heresy in, in, in Cowboys land, but like I would be fine if it wasn't on Thanksgiving every year. I mean, there have been times when I was in my younger years where, you know, we would be making plans to go Black Friday shopping, and as you know, it would be starting Thursday at five o'clock. So I'd be following it on my phone because my family was doing that, and that's what we were doing. So you know, again, that's nice. I wouldn't say it's a must, but it is nice that, you know, the in, basically the entire country is watching the Cowboys at that point because, you know, on the West Coast, that 1230 games at 930, you might be having, you know, kegs and eggs, but you're not having turkey. Um, then the Cowboys game has been like the central part of, you know, Thanksgiving, at least for the NFL, which I'm I'm sure is not an accident that makes them a lot of money. I mean, that's what the NFL is there to do. So, um, but I mean, I I like the fact they've added a third game that rotates. I would actually be in favor of seeing more games rotate. It'll never happen because you know Jerry Jones and money. But um, Jerry Jones
1: has a lot of power within the NFL. He
2: does, which is funny because he's the he's the first guy to start you know talking talking smack about Roger, wanting him fired, and but he gets whatever he wants. So. Well, again, who does, who does Roger work for? That's true. That is true. That is true. Um, but no, it's 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 good. I mean, again, it's it's nice to look forward to that on Thanksgiving. Although I will tell you, there's been plenty of Thanksgiving which have been ruined by the Cowboys playing awful. Uh, so it's, I guess you you give and you take.
0: Yeah, and um, speaking of taking, last time. We asked you, take one player from the Giants and put them on the Cowboys, and you didn't go for the sexy pick. You went for more of the logical pick, which was Evan Neal. Now, knowing that Neal is out with an injury and will not be playing, who are you taking from the Giants this time?
2: Is Evan Neal—is is he still available via trade? Because I'm very interested.
0: I mean, hell— I, if you want a Neal, still go go for it. But I guess based on no, the I, players who I mean, so, are so, actually
2: playing. Well, well, again, I I'm a big believer in in working with youth on contracts that are good. So if I can't mm-hmm. have Neal, I'll take Keva. I will settle for Kavon Thibodeau. I know. Wow. I am a very generous person. Wow. I will settle for Kavon Thibodeau.
0: I like it. I like it a lot.
2: Because um, again, I I can't I, look. I can't take Saquon because I already have running backs. Way too many of them as it is. Um, yeah, I, listen, I, the, I mean, the Cowboys are what they are. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm the first person to admit, I mean, they've been, frankly, again, I'm a, I'm a believer in one team wins, right? So they've been a losing franchise for the, close to three decades now. Right. So you can't hide from it. Um, but I mean, that's, that's the it's Thanksgiving day, right? So either Cowboys fans are happy. or The rest of America's happy. So, I, I, I mean, again, maybe you need that polarizing game to at least get people yeah. to watch because, again, let's just say if the 4 p.m. game was the Jaguars and the Texans, like I just don't think that people pay attention. No. If it's Cowboys versus fill in the blank, I think you get you get those who love and those who love to hate.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, now, I'd be more willing to see a Cowboys-Eagles thanksgiving game because quite frankly i actually wouldn't despise you guys in that game but um unfortunately in this scenario we're on the opposite end of the spectrum here and um before we get to your pr- prediction here comment from brian McCardle, uh bucks fan says <laughs> the lions offense this year might keep their fans awake for an extra 30 minutes this year
2: He puts an interesting point up. So, like, if you're a season ticket holder for the Lions or the Cowboys, like, you don't really have, like, you basically have to plan your Thanksgiving around the game. So, like, if you're in Texas and the game's at 1230, I mean, you really, like, who's cooking? Like, are you leaving your turkey? Is someone going to stay, I guess, mom's staying home to watch the turkey, can't go to the game? Like, there's interesting pieces of that to me. Like, do people, like, tailgate with turkey on Thanksgiving? I have no idea.
1: I have no idea that. Probably a that would be disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Again, I'm glad this really hasn't been much of a giant problem because they went so long without having Thanksgiving. They didn't really have their first Thanksgiving game until the '80s, and even then, the Giants, as I said, their history on Thanksgiving, at least we're talking about in the post-merger era, has not sure. been two kinds. So, yeah, I've, I've for the most part, like, I, I never really gave it much thought about the Giants not playing on Thanksgiving. Yeah. But now that I like fully looked up the numbers, even though half of them I already knew already, like it's what it is. Yeah. Also, what's
0: this illness going around the locker room? I'm looking at the injury report, Brian, and like three or four players are ill. Calvin Joseph, Jonathan Hankins, Dante Fowler Jr., and Terrell Basham. So that's three defense, by the way. Hankins is a former Giant.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm well, look, you obviously you never know these days. Yeah. You know, like it's not the way it used to be two years ago where like if somebody had a sniffle, they were out, like they weren't risking it. Right. The world has changed in a good way. Yeah. Um If I had to make a guess, it's probably the flu and nobody's saying anything, but hopefully that's not going to be an issue. And yeah, you know, both are expected to play. I mean, there's, there's, there's things that they won't practice through, but they'll play. Right. So it's one of those things where, you know, can't play to, can't to the not practice. They coach, you know, so
0: like Andrew Thomas, I know he has an illness too, but we know he's going to play tomorrow. Um, yeah. He has to play. Him and Mark Lewinsky are the only two shoe-in starters. The rest of the line really, really concerns me. John Suggs says, Turkey. We talking about Turkey? It's called the case of beer and pudding cups. Ha, ha, ha.
2: Wow. I mean, I, I can tell you uh, both sides, my wife's side of the family and mine, you know, the, the Thanksgiving's an event, you know? So there's way too much food and that's okay. Uh, but no, the, the spread's there, you know, that's why it's, it's like I said, it's a good thing that like, lo, like dinner is like one thirty, two two o'clock, 'cause o'clock. Cause again, I, I need to be like digested and like comfortable to not try to not to fall asleep during the Cowboy game, which I, I admit to say has happened on at least more than one occasion <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Normally it's a blowout one way or another, or the Cowboys are just terrible. And I just, you know, watch it cause I'm watching it.
0: But. I had to work that game last year, the Raiders Cowboys game. I'm off tomorrow. Thank goodness. But, um, yeah. That, that that was fun in a good way yeah um brian i guess before we let you go here you know we've talked about all the key players any player you want to highlight a, a player who might be flying under the the radar before we uh make the predictions
2: um i'm still waiting for somebody to kind of like grab this number two receiver by the horns and go i mean it, it, i guess it defaults to michael gallup but like he hasn't really you know like like I think if the again, I'm not a big wide receiver guy. I think you can be perfectly fine with, you know, average to above average players, that haven't necessarily having to pay stars, but I think they need to figure that out going into whatever postseason run they're going to go into. So for me, I would like to see somebody other than CeeDee Lamb catch a passing touchdown on the outside. And if I had to pick somebody, it's probably Noah Brown.
0: Awesome. Uh yeah, no, Noah Brown, that could be a good matchup because all eyes will be on Lamb. Giants secondary is DoorDash right now, so it's like one
2: of those uh, yeah. like, like like the the, the guardrail with nobody around it.
0: Um, I'm afraid to ask you this, but uh, what's your game prediction? In your final um,
2: year? I mean the Cowboys, even in games that they've lost, they've kind of come out firing. It's Thanksgiving, you know, they're at home, they're on national TV, and they know and they kind of smell themselves a bit. You look, know, they're, they're the nine and a half. I think is a little disrespectful. But I think that it goes kind of back to what I was saying, that I think we as football fans sometimes get overly enamored with win-loss records because, again, I am not – I'm not taking shots at the Giants. The Giants are ahead of schedule, right? So I don't think you can be upset. The, whatever happens from this point, you really shouldn't be upset about it. But I don't think the Giants are a seven-win team. Like I don't think that, that – when I look at that roster, that it's a, a seven-out-of-ten-win team, right? I'm not a big fan of the quarterback – Young players that I like on the roster, big fan of the coach, but I think that they're a team in transition. Like I would say to you, if I had to guess, through 10 games next year, the Giants don't have seven wins. And they could be a better team and not have seven wins. Like It's, it's kind of the way the cookie has crumbled for them. So as far yeah. as the score prediction, the, they've been scoring a lot of points. I, I don't think that that's necessarily going to stop. Um, I don't know how many of the Giants are going to score on them. So I'm going to say the Giants yeah. score about 17 points. Maybe 16, depending on if there's two touchdowns or field goals. I think the Cowboys are good for about 28 to 31. So if it's a nine-point line, right? I mean, I still think they can cover it. I think a 31-17 game is extremely plausible. Uh, I think a uh, you know, 30 to 17 game is extremely plausible, 28-17, you know, it depends on the field goals and everything like that. But I think the Cowboys win by about between 10 and 14. I think that's probably where, where it comes out to. And that's really, again, I think, the, I think the difference in the game is not so much their offense. I just think Dallas's defense is going to just cause them problems. And they caused them problems the first game, so I don't anticipate there being much change, especially since they're more hobbled now than they were in week three. And add to the fact that, you know, they're going to throw more. They're going to feel empowered to throw more because they have their starting quarterback back.
0: Right we have 31 17 hank
1: i don't feel very optimistic i'm going to say i'm going to say 24 13 dallas like I- i'm sorry but like and nobody's like even swaying me on an opinion this time much like you did with uh, tom like i just think the injury situation is going to be way too big for the giants to overcome not having either your number one or your number two cornerback to cover against the weapons that the Cowboys have is a huge deal. And unless Brian Dable and Wink Martin deal come up with the perfect game plan, it's pra- it's going to be practically impossible.
2: I will tell you this. The head coach is the one advantage that the Giants have in this game.
1: No, I, Oh, I, I wholeheartedly oh, agree.
2: I, I think my McCarthy's an idiot. I'm it, glad that. In fact, just to to kind of prove that point, he is the reason they lost the Green Bay game. He wholeheartedly himself.
1: I would also argue he's the reason they lost Philly game.
2: No, the reason I lost the Philly game is because Cooper Rush got turnover happy, which he didn't do in the, in the games prior. And they put them, in bad, put them in bad situations. The problem with McCarthy is, you know, I know it's the internet, so I can say whatever I want to here. I'm not going to get, you know, censored. Sure. He basically had small penis syndrome when he was in Green Bay because he went back home where he won a Super Bowl. And oh, I have to be big, aggressive, Mike McCarthy. So it's overtime, and the guy decides to not kick a field goal to take the lead. Oh, we got to go for this. Lost him the game. It is entirely 150% on Mike
1: McCarthy. Okay, well, now that if we're talking about that game, then yes, that I agree with. Although my hot take is I don't really have a problem with him going for it. I just thought the execution was bad. I thought the fact that you had third and four and you had a running back and you just you decided to throw the ball. I thought that was worse than the fourth than the fourth down. I
2: I just to to me, you you can take the lead. You you trust your defense. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm.
0: All right. So it's up to me now. Um, if I go against the grain or stick with it, um, Brian, I, I I know us and you we we've disagreed on Daniel Jones. Um, I think also part of the reason why they have been throwing the ball as much is because their offensive line is much better at run blocking than pass blocking, and the line's been a revolving door this year. I think that should be considered as well. Um, I, you know, I, I still I still think personally, I think Jones has been great this year. The the stats don't flash at you, but you know, the fact that they have seven wins, he does deserve some of the credit as, as well. And I think he's going to keep them in this game. Um, I think he's going to throw the ball a lot more. Him and Darius Slayton have a really good connection. Um, I think having him out there will help. Kenny Galladay finally made a couple catches last week. Will Galladay score his first touchdown on Thanksgiving? I'd be thankful for that. even if the giants lose i'd be thankful for that we paid this guy all this money and he doesn't score a touchdown throughout the first uh you know 12 15 games of his giants tenure but you're right at the end of the day um this pass rush is scary um try not to um commit too many turnovers or eat too many turnovers i should say Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so give me dallas by a final score of 27-17. to 17. So I have the same score for the Giants as Brian, but I do think our defense, I think Wink Martindale, um, finds a way to adjust things this time, despite all the issues in our secondary. I think Kavon Thibodeau has a good game. I think Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence have a good game. So, again, defense might keep us in it early, but I think I, Dallas I, eventually pulls I, I, I would
2: off. say I would say this. I think if the Giants win the Taws, they should take the ball. Like, I feel as
0: though Jones always calls tails on the road.
2: Interesting. It's good. It's yeah. good. That's good intel. I like that. I, I feel as though the, if for the Giants to win this game, they need to get Dallas off their high horse. They need to put some fear in them, right? Mm-hmm. So if the Giants get the ball first and go in there and score a quick one, take the lead, then, you know, now it's up to Dak. So just imagine scenario, right? Giants get the ball first, Giants have a. Eight play, eighty yard drive. They score a touchdown. Dak goes out there and it's three and out, or it's or it's one first down and then it's a th- they, they, you know they have to punt the ball away. The Giants go up ten nothing. Now that is something where then you start to get in here on him, and I don't think he's that strong mentally. I Never did. So that would be, for the Giants, I think, to win this game, they need to get a ten point lead on the Cowboys at some point early get them off their game like play the psych let's play the psych version of this like make them think okay hey this is we 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 did whatever we want to do with, with with minnesota that game is over they're gonna come in smelling themselves it was only four days ago there hasn't been a lot of time to you know digest it we're talking about food right so that i think would be the key for the giants to win do you do you think i'm like if dallas goes up 14 nothing i think that i think it's not
0: control the game, keep shorten the game, keep Dak off the field, limit his opportunities and then when he does have opportunities pressure him. You have to pressure him. Thibodeau really needs to step it up because I mean, you know, he's been playing okay, the numbers aren't there. For me it's not all numbers cuz I mean, you mentioned this earlier, Diggs only three picks. I think he's playing better coverage-wise. I
2: would agree with you. Yes
0: yeah so but but you
2: know but part of him having three picks is he's not getting thrown at as much right all those Darrell revis years right those numbers weren't necessarily like you know gaudy in your face but they didn't true so how are you gonna pick what's not thrown at you
0: it's like sauce Gardner at cincinnati last year he threw his way but he still was a number four overall pick and look what he's done for the jets
2: if you have a guy like that that just basically like eliminates half the field that's such an advantage
0: and now that sauce Gardner pick giants were one off one off um Brian, any final thoughts here bef- before we let you go? Um, you know, we love for you to plug all your podcasts. Together. I I
2: I always enjoy my time with you all. I hope all of your followers are following and liking the review and preview on all of your outlets. You know, your YouTube and Facebook and everything else. Uh, again, I run for the mo- for all intents and purposes uh, at, at the Sports Box. So at Sports Box Sports, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, we do breaking news. I I like to think some of my memes mm-hmm. are relatively funny. I depends on. I guess the, the audience um, usually that's me, and sometimes it's received well. Sometimes it's only funny to me, but I laughed, so it was all right. Um, but yep, we're, our next show will be Sunday morning. We'll be recapping these three games and getting ready for uh, you know, a, a Sunday full of you know, the, the thing about the NFL is the, I'm a firm believer that these games have never mattered less, which in a way kind of makes them matter more. It's a very strange dichotomy in the NFL right now. I think everybody stinks. It's weird, right? But it makes for entertaining football because everybody's got problems. Parody. Yeah, I don't know that. Like, I, the, I the remember guys, when we were coming, we were kids. Like, I remember those. The, I, look, I'm not looking for this to be the NBA where there's like super teams, but there were teams that were just awesome. That you know, the the Manning Brady games, the Colts Pats were awesome, right? And they were in it every year. Like, I miss having those elite teams. Like, I'm gonna. To me, sports is cyclical. Like you go for it when you have it, you sell off when you don't, and build it up again. And I think what's happening is everybody stinks. They don't practice anymore. So and it looks like it in the games. Um, like I said, I I don't know the football today is better than it was twenty years ago. Is that the old? Is that the grandpa in me talking? Because I'm thirty eight. Oh no. Old man, right? But I, I I think the game was better. But I think that you know two teams that are terrible can make an entertaining football game too because a lot of mistakes.
0: Right. Absolutely. And um, I think that's a good point, too. NFC East, terrible last year, great this year. Well, right? yeah, but Everyone's they, got also had the
2: week, they also had the week. of schedule, right? Like, right,
0: the week schedules for everybody, especially yeah. Philly. Uh, sure. Screw them. We could all
2: agree on that. Uh, oh, 100. I, I was very upset. I was actually very upset they lost to Washington because I was rooting for 17-0 so that when they lose that first playoff game, they have to actually go close off some of those bridges, you know, for safety reasons. I was rooting for maximum pain. All I wanted was maximum pain. I wanted that to be my final say, listen, you guys won all these regular season games. Cool. Nobody cares. You lost when it mattered. None of this is relevant. All of this is the, this is preseason to me. Postseason is the real is, is really when it matters in the tournament, as Bill would say.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I hope they flunk as well. Um,
2: I don't think they're that good. I actually – so I posed this question in Outside the Box, which is our sports discussion group. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was – that was actually a dead serious question. People thought I was making making a joke. I really wasn't. I said, if you were the Eagles, would you consider – would you consider trading the Saints pick, which should probably finish between anywhere between 7 and 12, and Jalen Hurts to Houston for one overall? Like, oh, how are you going to do that? Well, think about it for a second. This might be the best we're ever going to see of Jalen Hurts. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think he's really that good, frankly. I think that they're winning games because he's running the ball, and I'm not a really big fan of that. But anyway, you get the top pick in the draft on a rookie contract, affordable for five years. Jalen Hurts probably going to sign a nine-figure deal in the offseason. They, they, I can make a coaching case to never sign a quarterback unless he's truly, truly elite to a second deal because of the money. And I don't know that Jalen Hurts is truly, truly elite. I don't think that he is.
0: Yeah. I agree that he's not elite but I don't think the Eagles pull the trigger on that. No,
2: I, I, Not with I Howie. They, no, they absolutely never would do that because their fans would have a serious problem and probably, you know, need medication more right. than they do now. But Again, when you look at it from just a dollars and cents perspective as well, I get the number one pick in the draft. I get this number one overall pick for five years. Cost. Actually, a really interesting point was made by a buddy of mine, Brandon Gazzara, who was done sports box on and off. He said the Eagles actually would have been better off had they took Hurts in the first round than the second round because they would have had that 50-year option. Like if 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 you twist the picks and you take Hurts in the first round and Rager in the second, who probably would have been there because he stinks anyway – Right. Hertz Hertz has a sec a year option. Nobody's pissed as much about Ray because he's only a second round pick and they're in a better position. And I would agree with that. I mean, it's hindsight, right? But now they're gonna have to pay this kid. That's what happens when you don't pick a guy in the first round.
0: Right, especially with the franchise tag too. That would be essentially their version of the fifth year option, paying yeah. him a boatload of money sure. for a quarterback franchise tag.
2: Yeah, so. and their roster's got a lot of free agents.
0: And a lot of old guys, too.
2: They do. They just they would just went to a, in a nursing home, just picked up Linval Joseph and Dominican Zoo. Right.
0: Exactly. Um, yeah.
2: That's so funny, man. I don't know how you do it down there, but. Uh, I, I, I like to think I'm like the zookeeper. I've been monitoring the species for years, so I know exactly how to make them tick. I know exactly how to make them mad. I know exactly how to calm them down. It's like, you know, what's a Jane Austen and, and the gorillas.
0: And this is why we like to invite you on this giant show twice a year. I, a,
2: yes. We all hate pleasure. that. We all hate that team. It's an awful fan base. Yeah. I have friends. They know. I call them losers and troglodytes all the time. Um, generally, I, and I, again, I would like to think, I would like to think that for the most part, like the other three teams in our division really don't generally hate each other that much. Like, no, we're not going to necessarily root for each other, but I don't mm-hmm. hate the giants. So I have no, no reason to hate the giants.
0: Um, since, you know, our coaches and management are fans of the blue shirts.
2: So even hey, listen, I, I, last time I was, one of the last times I was there, I saw Robert Soleil also. And so I think sauce Gardner was there as well. So it's nice to see, you know, the, the, the boys showing up, but Dable's a big Ranger guy. I obviously respect that. So and look, objectively, go. that was an unbelievable hire. Like, it, like it doesn't even, to me, like it doesn't even matter what this year or next year happens for the Giants. They're building something. And I think you can see it. Like they're building a, they're building a culture that I think has just not been around this team for a long time. Like Mm -hmm. the guys that they've had head coaches, Shermer's and McAdoo's and whatever, they're not. Dable can handle New York. And I think that that is a huge, huge thing. Like, if you're looking at like who I think is going to be like a good team in this division, like three, four years out, if the giants do whatever happens, if, if they get some, answers at quarterback maybe it's jones maybe it's not whatever figure that out right but i have faith that him him and the gm can actually do something with this team they're a team to keep an eye on and i, I don't say that lightly like i really think like if we fast forward this conversation four years the giants are probably the best team in the division Wow. i have faith in that i just, I, I they've given me no reason to think otherwise like, look what the guy's doing with like what i think is a mm-hmm. subpar roster right?
0: three years from now we're gonna have to replay this clip hank
2: yeah no i'll 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 remember that i'll, I'll remember what you said do you, do you do you think there's credence to that you're as unbiased yeah. as you can as you can be
1: no it, that that's not a stretch i don't real i don't think
0: they've done it the right way they've done it the right way i mean you know shane and dable both came over from buffalo very successful organization mike kafka offensive coordinator very successful organization wink martindale um Ravens fired the wrong coordinator. I I, I don't care what you say. It should have been Greg Roman and not Wink Martindale. Granted, half their defense was hurt last year, so the fact that he just fell into our lap, lovely. Lovely. Um, But Dory Jackson returning punts, Joe Judge would have never done that.
2: But, but again, look at the fact that this is what they're doing. We're 10 weeks into the Dable tenure, right? Like
0: seven wins it only
2: it's only gonna get better like i I, I think they're a team to watch i mean if they figure out quarterback i'm not not a then i'm not a danny dimes guy they gotta figure that out but if they figure it out and they build nicely around them and kind of rely less on the running back which i know is a lot to ask but you gotta you gotta take time and build it i think they're gonna be just fine it's honestly i think that they need to be patient and let it happen and i think if you listen to what, you know, Mara said in the offseason about, like, we haven't given this quarterback any time. Like, I think that this time around, he actually will be patient with this. Like, I think that I think Dable's got enough brownie points from this year to, to earn that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, very well said, Brian. And I want to thank you once again for coming on. Ple- um, pleasure's all on this side of the table, boys. Two-time guest, Brian Atard, More than two times, but two times this season. Dallas Cowboys super fan from the Sports Box Brian Atard. Thank you so much. We hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving.
2: Yes. You you all and your audience as well. Good luck, but not really. We'll catch up on the other side.
0: Sounds, Sounds good. good. Take care, boys. See you, Brian. That was Brian Atard from the Sports Box. Um yeah, always a pleasure to talk to him, Hank. Picking his brain about things, bringing a unique perspective. Um, doesn't think like a lot of Cowboys fans. And I I think he, he knows that, um, you know, so it's always good to meet somebody like that. Who's very knowledgeable, but, um, quickly here before we wrap up the show, I just, I just want to get to you on this giants injury report. We already made our game predictions, but let's just go over the final, final injury report. Daniel Bellinger starting tight end out with an eye injury. Josh Azudu, John Feliciano, both out with neck injuries. Adoree Jackson, Fabian Moreau, out with knee and oblique injuries, respectively. Shane Lemieux, out with a toe injury. Evan Neal, out with a knee injury. Who replaces Adoree Jackson? One, who the hell starts at right tackle tomorrow? Is it Matt Pert? It probably will be. And who the hell's starting the left guard?
1: Who the hell's it gonna be? Jack Anderson? It's it's literally gonna look like, as you said, that 2020 line all over again. Correct. Nick Gates starting at center tomorrow. Gates. I'm
0: so excited for it. <laughs> oh, man. But no, for real, I don't know. Like, who is your guess? If you had to guess right now, who's starting at CB one tomorrow? For a big blow. Uh,
1: again, this is just like a random An out of the right blue answer. guess. But I'm, I'm just going to guess Cordell Flott just to throw a name out there because it's it's really. Right. Th- th- oh. There's really no right or wrong answer here. Let's just take a quick look at the snap count from last week.
0: So Cordell Flott played 22 snaps. Darnay, we know he's going to play in the slot, had 34. Nick McLeod had 39 snaps. Darius Williams had 27 snaps. So all in all, I think McLeod and Flott should be the starting corners tomorrow against the Cowboys. Put the third round rookie in there. Give him a shot. Why not have him guard CD Lamb or have Nick, have Nick McLeod on Gallup or Brown. You have Darnay love Belton. It's going to be interesting to see, but Hank, I want to thank you again for joining the show as always every week. We always bring it. Folks, no film review this week. We do apologize. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to take the top two plays from from the Lions game and combine it with the top two to three plays from the Cowboys game and combine it into one film review to post for next week. It's been a short week with Thanksgiving, and I want to make sure we get this preview up because uh, work has been hectic. So We look forward to getting up a combined film review next week for week 11 and week 12, but Hank, any final
1: thoughts? Again, I'm just hoping this game is watchable, and I'm hoping to still enjoy my Thanksgiving regardless of the outcome. But, Tom, of course, more importantly, I hope you do the same thing, and I hope the same thing for all our viewers and to everybody at the and Preview family as well.
0: Absolutely. Hank, hope you have a happy Thanksgiving as well. Appreciate you as always. And regardless of how you feel about tomorrow's game – Just remember, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina this morning in their World Cup matchup. And on that note, without further ado, let's go Big
2: Blue.